Uh, currently, Plymouth are 16th. They went on a, oh dear, four losses in a row. Uh, and they're playing the team they are level on points and results with. So the records are absolutely identical um, yeah. for the, the team who are above them in the table managed by Russell Martin. At the bottom of the division, and you do look to be safe now, I think you've moved away. Uh, AFC Wimbledon are bottom as we speak, although they have two games in hand on Swindon, Rochdale, Wigan, Northampton. Are these places that you've been when you were following Plymouth away? I go to Bristol Rovers. I go to Newport, Rodney Parade, because my son lives nearby there. Biggest away game I've been to, or the most I've, most effort I've made, was I went to uh, Blundell Park, Greenfree Town, uh, at the end of 2017. And that was when we needed to win to get the champion, to be the champions, and we drew. But that was an epic journey for me. I yeah, mean, how what... do you get from Plymouth to Grimsby? Grimsby is near Hull on the East Coast. Do you have to go through Bristol and then under the Pennines? Uh, well, I went, obviously, I went on the train. So I went to London and Grimsby. I mean, it's a colossal journey. And I, obviously, you have to stay the night and then come back next day. It, it was it was huge, a huge epic journey. I I loved it. I did it on my own, and I uh, the Blundell Park is something else. It's a really old, old, old style ground. Awful, awful for, in one way, but full of atmosphere. And yeah, it was it was great. It was great. And Grimsby. I mean, well, for goodness me. I mean, I don't want to be rude about anywhere, but it was quite uh, down. You know, lots of empty shops and properties, you know, mm. neglect. neglect yeah. Very sad, really, because uh, just felt a little bit sort of, oh dear, this place needs some help kind yeah. of thing. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful of talking to Phil Ball, who is, as well as writing about Spanish football, is a huge Grimsby fan. So I, as soon as I read his book, Morbo, I will get his rights to reply. Um, yeah. You, were, you had how many children in 1984? I've, I've got. When was Josh born? I can't remember. 1983, wasn't it? That's what the Wikipedia says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had five children in 1984 in that case. Oh, gosh. And how many of you went to Wembley to see Plymouth against Watford? Uh, goodness me. Uh, I know it was no, a very long time ago. None. None. Um, no. Well, I wasn't born then, but this was a big no. day for Watford. We'd managed to evade Ever- um, Everton in the semi-final draw... And got Plymouth. Um, was it on telly, the semi-final? I wouldn't know because I, at that point I was... Uh, 1984, Plymouth Argyle and me were, ah. didn't have a relationship whatsoever. Well, I will have to ask either the Green Army or the host of Quickly Kevin Will He Score, um, which is one of Josh's podcasts. He's got two of them that are doing very well. There are a lot, uh, Quickly Kevin runs on Patreon and they did... A FIFA tournament or a championship manager tournament and it's very well received um, would you have had the Fantasy Football League show on in the house in the 90s yes without a doubt mm-hmm. because that I know that's what Josh that effectively is the last leg it's kind of fantasy football with a bit of a political slant and no blackface thank goodness <laughs> um, <laughs> that whole series was really excellent but it, what everyone remembers from it is that dreadful thing they did to Jason Lee yeah 
Uh, and I can't get beyond that now. I, I just can't. It's such, such a shame. But there you are. Different times, I guess. Absolutely. And I, I, I did see Watford in the late 90s. And Jason Lee was playing with his wonderful dreads tied up. Um, yeah. And I don't remember the chant, but there's no place for it now. Is there uh, a particular Plymouth chant that you would give back when you went? I tend to, to sit in the old man's part of the ground and I don't get involved in the chanting. I love listening to it, but I don't get involved in it. And um, I, it's a huge part of the game. The atmosphere that comes out of the Devonport end at Argyle is, is huge. But I... Uh, I don't know if you if all football's like this. I'm sure it is. All football grounds like this. There's different areas of the ground for different kinds of people in a way. And um, well, we've got a new stadium now with a new and a whole new grandstand, which I ha- I haven't actually been to yet. I don't know if we anyone has actually. I'm not sure um, because of co- because of uh, COVID. Mm. But uh, previous to well, when I last went to Argyle, should I say I sit in the Mayflower stand, and it's it tends to be the, let's just say, the quieter, older uh, fans. Yes, I've I've sat with some of those in the rookery in Watford. Grumbling is a chant of sorts. One thing that I've noticed, there's a common theme coming for Plymouth, is that players seem to return. And there are three names I've got here. Um, One who was a player who became a manager. One was a manager who returned as a manager. And another is a player who's returned as a player in his third spell at the club. 37 years old, so an immediate contemporary of Josh Widdicombe, Luke McCormick, yes, a reserve indeed. goalkeeper. Would you have known yeah. Luke very well? well? As a player? Yeah. yeah. I mean, still there. I think he's the... I'm not sure if he's the second goalie or the third goalie. Reserve, reserve. The reserve, goalie. reserve is my favourite position because you can... If you're not in the match day squad, you can just go home. I once saw Watford's reserve, reserve driving <laughs> home because he wasn't in the squad. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, Luke, uh, I, he, he's an Argyle player, but I, I think he might even be down, from down, down our way. I don't really know, but he certainly, uh, you know, was there for years and years and years. I only ask because uh, Josh has said that he was one of four people in his school year down in Hater Vale. So I wondered if Luke was one of them. Uh, <laughs> no, well, that would be a chance in a million, wouldn't it? Indeed. Um, the other two are Paul Mariner and Paul Sturrock. Yeah, who... Paul Sturrock. Yeah, yeah, and Paul, yeah, Paul Mariner was back briefly, wasn't he? And had a, I think he did a very short spell as a manager, didn't he? Yeah, just after Sturrock had left for a second time. Uh, Mariner, who was the player of the year 75 76, uh, and Paul Sturrock, who took Plymouth up from the second division to what is now the, cha- was it the championship when yeah. you went up? Yeah, that's right, yeah. The first season uh, it was called the Sturrock. championship. Uh, Sturrock has to go down as one of the most successful Argyle managers, I think, that in in my era. Um, but when he came back, he was a total. Did nothing happened. It didn't work. But he got. He was doing really well at Argyle, and he got uh, got Southampton job, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, he didn't do any good there either. And then he came back to Argyle and didn't do any good there. Um, I think he actually was. Uh, I think he was ill at the time as well. I'm not sure about that. I'll have to check that. But um, yeah, no, I think he was the right guy. I, it didn't. It wasn't. Didn't his football didn't excite me. But um, yeah, it was okay. So I'm just uh, looking at that season, which you finished 17th. You finished above Watford and below Leicester and Cardiff. Um, the squad 
uh, included Bjarni Gudjonsson, signed on a free, and Nick Chadwick, bought from Everton, Good for heavens. quarter of a million pounds. Dexter Blackstock came in from Southampton, Jason Dodd from Southampton, and yes, a 17th place. So when did you go back down? Oh, quite soon after that. We, we uh, I don't remember is the answer to that. Um, but yeah, Dexter Blackstock, I remember him. He was ex-Manchester United, I think. It's interesting, isn't it, how managers take players with them mm. from club to club. Uh, I, I quite like the way that happens. The the answer is 2010 you went down, but not before um, being delighted to watch Ian Holloway and Tony Pulis yes, come through. That's a, <laughs> that is good, isn't it? How did Holloway, you survive? When, when we got Ian Holloway... I didn't go at that time. I wasn't going, but um, he he was doing really really well, and he got poached um, and left right when we were. Everyone thought, yeah, we're a girl. Something good's happening here, and, uh, and he just left. It was really gutting. Um, so um, Peter Reed, he yeah, was another. Yeah. Gosh, and I, it would be a dereliction of duty not to ask about Cherno Samba. Um, uh, no, can't help you on that one either. No, I will ask, I'll ask Josh in that case, because Cherno uh, was tipped to be the future of um, the English national team because of his success as a, an imaginary player on football manager, championship manager. Uh, oh, right. And he went to Plymouth um, around 2006-07. Oh, OK. He has since, so he's been managed by Ian Holloway. But yes, yeah, some very successful mid-table seasons... Um, Signing uh, players from Al Arab. You signed Taribo West. Yes, that's right. Wow. What an yeah. amazing team. Um, really utilising the free transfer market and and doing really, really well. Um, drawing 3-3 with Watford in a home game. This may have been the last season you went. 2005? I, uh, I, I don't know. I... I don't think I was going then. I think once Josh had left home and Henry uh, had gone as well, I basically stopped going and, uh, until Derek Adams took over. Um, occasionally we would go to a game and I would just think, nah, I don't want to... Yeah, I'm not going to get back into this. I really, like I said, uh, Jonathan, I'm only interested in the football. And it, it, there was a long period of, fairly dire stuff going on. I might get shot down for saying that if any Argyle fans... Opinions opinions are fine. They're, they're like... Um, I always think it's sad that everyone's got an opinion, which is one of my favourite concise jokes. I think maybe one of your sons would be able to sell that. Um, can, you, can you tell me the link between Chris Tarrant, Lenny Henry and Plymouth Argyle? <laughs> no, that sounds interesting. Tis was. Oh, t- what? How come on Plymouth Argyle? Because Garland? Trevor East, the fellow Tis was presenter, way before my time, is a director of the club. Really? Ah. Now that was news to me, and it's news to you. So I wonder. I wonder if uh, Trevor is in charge of trying to make the on the pitch side of things entertaining, just by nudging the manager and saying, "Come on, do some gunge or whatever they did." Yeah. <laughs> in the old days. Uh, and we to take it up um, to the present day, Gary Sawyer is the captain who's a hometown lad. I think it's probably important for a club like Plymouth to have someone from the town as the club captain. Uh, yes, yeah, so, well, certainly in the team. I mean, he's been there a long time and he's a, 
I think he's he's been injured actually this season. I don't know if he's he's been playing at all really. Mm. And the the number nine ex Rangers who's made his loan permanent Ryan Hardy. Yeah, good player, really good. Uh, I mean, I love this team. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the, one of the best teams to watch since uh, I've been watching Argyle really. I uh, watch every home game. I watch every game on um, on the iFollow. Yeah, 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 on iFollow. What's um, what's Ryan Lowe trying to do? Play out from the back, play through the wings, get the ball up early. Yeah, Ryan Lowe is uh, a Liverpool fan. He's a friend of Stevie Gerrard. Ah, he plays pretty much the same as Liverpool. And actually, his results are pretty much mirroring Liverpool too. I think a lot of clubs now have worked out how to deal with the Liverpool approach. Uh, it needs some modifications. It needs more backbone or something. But the actual quality of the players and the skill levels of the players is huge and really good. But there's just something missing where we... You know, we concede far too many goals too easily and and we're struggling to score, which obviously both those things are vital that you don't do. Um, but yeah, Ryan Lowe's uh, yeah, a, that kind of manager. And he's got a couple of guys working with him. Um, Stevie Schumacher, he's an Everton fan. They know each other from both being in Liverpool. They work together at Bury. And then there's the the first team coach Kevin Nanceville. He's a he's a really nice guy. Not um, I don't I think he played a few games for a guy. I never saw him playing. But yeah, g- great management team. And if we can just get it sorted out, uh, I think we'll be uh, we'll be all right as long as we stay up this season. That's that's the main thing. Yeah, I don't think you're going down at all. Oh gosh, this is strange. Um, I don't know if Joey Barton was manager of Fleetwood when Plymouth won last month. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He'd been replaced by Simon Grayson, unfortunately. But that, oh, yeah. that would have been strange. But yes, Bristol Rovers at home is the next game at uh, Home Park, the Theatre of Greens. Yeah. There must be a succession planning, because if Ryan Lowe is doing so well at Plymouth, uh, for argument's sake, Portsmouth, do you, would you be annoyed if Portsmouth, who have just sacked their manager, look around the division see what Ryan is doing with Plymouth and Portsmouth can guarantee bringing in the players that he wants? Or do you think that there is an agreement between the chairman and Ryan that Ryan will stay whatever happens? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? They've, he's just extended his contract. He's got a five-year contract now, I think. Um, he he says all the right things, you know. He's, he's absolutely committed. He's got a brilliant bunch of players that are all keen to play the way he wants them to play and they're really trying hard for him everything's going his way I, I don't know I think there's a slight problem with possibly his family I'm not sure if his family are down here or not um, and I, I, that always worries me when you've got a manager that's you know got strong connections back home but that would apply to Portsmouth anyway but um, the noises coming out are that he's, he wouldn't go but obviously everyone would go if there was a big offer wouldn't they I don't think. I think, in a way, the fact that we've had this terrible run. I mean, we lost. If you look at our run from up to well, from Christmas, really, it's been pretty crap in terms of results. Sunderland away is a good result. Doing well against Sheffield United in the cup, but um, beating Swindon away. But then who doesn't? Taking points against Accrington and Portsmouth. 
beating Fleetwood. But yeah, this the last few weeks have not been fun. No, they've been awful. And I think, in a funny sort of way, that's the the good bit about that is it's taken the people's eyes off Ryan Lowe, I would think. Hmm. Um, and if we can get through to next season and then go again, I, uh, you know, he, he's a thinker. That's the thing about Ryan. He he won't be just sitting there going, oh, my God. He'll be thinking, how how what have I got to do to change this, to get to improve this? And uh, and it, I'm confident he'll come through. Uh, and I'll be gutted if he goes. But, you know, that's football, isn't it? Well, as long as the Green Army don't turn on him. Yeah, that's always a thing as well, isn't it? But I think um, you can't stop that. I mean, you still, it's, it's amazing at Argyle. And I, I, sometimes, you, I mean, obviously there's been no live games for a long time, but uh, oh, live crowd. But uh, I've been there sometimes and, and you still get people in the crowd going, you know, kick it up the park. And you think, oh my God. Or, or when there's a, a, you know, a player approaching the our, our goal or whatever and, and the uh, and the defenders kind of standing off, trying to trying to prevent them from getting past or getting the pass in, and and you'll get someone shouting, you know, get in there, and you just think, oh my god, you know, it's 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 such a shame. I mean, it's only the odd few, but it it, it will be such a shame to go back to that kind of style of play that really is you know doesn't get you anywhere really I'm just, I, you did mention that there were some teams playing that way that were doing okay did I get you right there uh, well Milton Keaton sorry I'm not going to mention them um, that <laughs> that team who play in that city yeah um, yeah the, the manager has got um, has seen what happened with Norwich his team in the championship and if you can yeah. have a start you saw it with Ian Everton at Barrow if you could get into the football league playing that style, yeah, and just it's just about drilling. I think um, drilling the players to be in the right position at the right time, because if anything, I mean, bunging it long does help, but you've given the ball away, and they're only ninety minutes, and you need to maximise the possession with the ball, and then when you lose it, win it in the dangerous positions as Liverpool, Rangers, and Plymouth do. So I hope that. If Ryan, if the worst happens and Ryan Lowe does go to I don't know Portsmouth um, or any other club who will relieve the manager of their duties in the next three months, which could be anyone, yeah, uh, apart from maybe Leicester, Brendan Rodgers probably has the safest job in English football. Um, yeah, and look I, what's happened to Leicester. The, I think one of the big the, the, the dangers for for our guard regards Ryan Lowe if if a really good job comes up. In, up, up in the north in the northwest. Well, who would it be? Manchester, well, uh, Burnley, probably a bit high. Sheffield uh, United. Yeah, something like that. That kind of that kind of idea. Uh, mm. I mean, if he was doing really, really well with Argyle and got them into the championship, and then someone like Burnley or you know one of those clubs, Blackburn, you know that oh, kind Blackburn, of yeah. came came in for him. And I don't know, I haven't spoken to him about it, Jonathan, but, well, I, and I wouldn't. But um, that's the kind of thing that could happen. And there's a lot of clubs up there. It's not, you know, Stoke um, and then Huddersfield, all those kind of clubs. If they, they're, they're big clubs and they're nearer to his home. And uh, that's, but, you know, it's, it doesn't bear thinking about really, does it? Let's, got to just get on with it. Why would you leave Devon? Why on earth? If, if not to start a comedy festival or pursue some kind of 
cockamamie scheme to become one of Britain's most beloved comedians. Um, <laughs> and both both of those people have come from you, Tom Widdicombe. And you win your you win it. You get your football library membership card with Brian Glanville's face on it. Uh, I don't suppose you read much football literature when you're stocking up for your market stall on Fridays. I've read, I do read a, a lot of football books, actually. I, it's one of my ways I relax. Oh, good. I've just finished um, the, a, a really strange book. I've just uh, finished James Milner's book uh, called Ask a Football. It's great. I think Ollie, Ollie Kay does the right thing and he knows that people are going to read a Q&A that they're not going to sit through and then I did this and then I did this. And I think the modern footballer's memoir is to be applauded. Peter Crouch, James Milner. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's very lightweight and very easy reading and it's set out just little, you know, little bits at a time so you can pick it up and read two minutes. Yeah, it was a nice, he's a good bloke, you know, and he comes across as a good bloke. But yeah, I'm a bit of a lightweight book, but that suited my mood at the time. I've usually got a book on the go, and I should say every other book I read is a football book, really. Oh, well, what else have you read during the lockdown period? I'll say, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm going to just tell you, I'm, I'm into the secret footballer books. I don't know if you've read them. I have. I've read a lot of them. I think the secret footballer is Banksy. Banksy is the secret footballer. No, <laughs> I think people... <laughs> I'm not going to spoil who it is, but it does no, make sense. Oh, I know who it is. Good. Um, and, but um, the, obviously the first one was the best one. And the, the very best football book I've read, I think, is a, is a book called um, The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. Every, Joe... it, it's, once a month someone recommends this book. I really must get round to reading it because it's not about football. It's about the mafia. No, it, it is about football. It is about football. Um, and and it's, it's fantastic. And it, uh, utterly gripping. It's one of those books... You really want to get back to reading, you know, when you, you, you get, oh, like I read last thing at night, so you, and you're like, oh, right, I can read some more of my book. Um, it's a really, really mind-blowing book and so well written. Yeah, the, the, I can't get the author into the football library because he's no longer with us, Joe McGuinness. But, oh, is he? Oh, I don't yeah, know. he's passed on. Uh, one of the few American writers who have written brilliantly about football, uh, Bill yeah. Buford wrote Among the Thugs as well. But th- we're kind of behind America because they've done sports criticism for a lot longer. Right. We started in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. And then people like Eamon Dunphy brought out memoirs slash diaries, the kind that Gary Nelson did. And then came yeah. Fever Pitch and Fancy Football League. Yeah, Fever Pitch was a brilliant book, wasn't it? Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, it's, well, it's one of the reasons that I started the Football Library, because there are 10 or 11 totemic football bits of literature by Goldblatt and Wilson and Glanville. And then yes. every year, you get more and more and more football books, including yours, Barnet Away, available yep. in the Football Library and online if you have a look. Um, uh, okay. What are you writing at the moment? Wow, it's top secret. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fact fiction, a, a mix between the two? But it's... Um... It's a new, uh, it's a new venture for me, and I do write. Um, it's not a commercial venture; it's purely uh, um, an experiment, really. And I'm uh, not. It's not something I've ever tried before. I'm, I'm trying to write a story, um, and I'm just seeing how it goes. I'm, uh, I've, I've been going at it for now for about a month. Uh, thoroughly enjoying it as well. I w- do you know when it will have a draft date? When it'll be when it'll be drafted. Well, if I go at the current rate, 
it's going to take me a, at least a year to write it, uh, I would think, because I don't know. I it's not, it's not a planned thing. It's it's a purely spontaneous uh, event, and um, it, it's it, it might not even be something that I would even think about publishing. I might just you, the the great thing with uh, like I said before, you know, uh, you can get I could get six copies made up, and that would you know that that's what I love about print on demand it's you know you can make two i think six is the least you can do but you could write a book and get print six copies of it made and that'd be the end of it yeah and there's there's none of the nonsense to do with promo marketing shelf space table space no you're just putting your work on record or giving yourself you're giving yourself a copy of a, a book that you've written mm. uh, it's kind of a nice option, isn't it? And then, of course, there's always the slight chance that you might think, well, this is actually good enough to put out there for other people to have a look at. Um, I've, I've done a couple of books that I've, I, I really enjoyed doing and I really like, but I wouldn't dream of putting out there. Uh, I'm glad I did them. Uh, great experience. But, you know, not all writing is, is necessarily for to go down that route, mm-hmm. you know, commercial or to be uh, shared well if you want updates on this book might we get them on the Thelma and Tom look left <laughs> podcast now as little as possible on politics you can also follow Tom at Tom 909 at Tom 909 um, what's the best episode so far well I, I think that we've just done number four uh, me and Thelma are getting better at it all the time and uh, it's not nothing to do with the guests, really, although obviously Richard was very good, but we've had two other really good guests on as well. But because me and Thelma are getting so much more professional in our presentation, that number four is a belter, really. And, well, with um, Richard Bergen, who is a name I know, he's, he's, he'll be yeah. very busy today because the Labour are abstaining or opposing. They're opposing. They've changed their minds. They're now opposing. Yeah. Yes. Dawn Butler was in the third and Dawn had some very interesting things to say uh, a couple of months ago when she was stopped and searched. Dawn was brilliant. I, I absolutely, what a, what a lovely lady. And uh, and, and also, um, Rebecca Long-Bailey, I, I want to get her back on because, to be honest, on that number two podcast, it was our first guest. I was really nervous and I didn't, I think it didn't help Rebecca. She was really good and she's, She's a really powerful lady, but and also the product. We had some issues with production, uh, which didn't help as well. So uh, I mean, it's a great podcast number two, but it's it's early days. The more you and do, the better you are, as you know. You've got a son who was a gigging comedian. The thousandth yeah. gig is a thousand times better than your first, or it should be. Yeah, you get better all the time if yeah. you practice. Yeah. Uh, this is thelma walker and tom widdicombe thelma and tom at gmail.com and type in thelma and tom look left and you'll be able to see it uh tom widdicombe uh spelt in the familiar way uh dot com is the website where you can read about well all the books you've written what book will this be that you're writing now fifth uh, sixth? you know i haven't got a title for it yet um it's it's very early days I, I don't know if you ever do this yourself Jonathan I started writing it almost to see if it was possible to write it mm-hmm. and I, I could easily get like 10,000 words in and think this isn't working at all 
or I could get 10,000 words in and think, God, this has got huge potential. I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, the jury's still out. And um, that's kind of how I operate, really. I start things up to see if they'll work. In, in a way, it's the same with the podcast. Uh, we just started it up. Uh, I think it is going to work, to be honest. It's, it, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're a great you know, great team, and we're, we're both quite ambitious, so I think it'll work. But if we get to number 10 and it hasn't worked, we just go, well, that's up. We tried, yeah. we, let's move on. And the, the Labour Party's present and future, and I speak as someone who is Jewish, uh, it really would help if there was a functioning opposition. And I think Mr Starmer, who, as this goes out, has been steering Labour for a year. I think this podcast goes out, I've just looked up on Wikipedia, uh, Josh Widdicombe's birthday is April the... 20th, uh, uh, April the 5th? 25th? 23rd? I don't know. I'd ask my wife that, Jonathan. Wikipedia says the 8th. Does that 8th. sound feasible? That's... Yeah, that sounds correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. Uh, so this podcast will go out around the time of his birthday. Thank you for teaching Josh everything he knows and <laughs> for appearing in this football library, uh, promoting your love of Plymouth Argyle. I will look out for Ryan Lowe's career and Plymouth's results henceforth. So thank you so much. Any any closing remarks? Well, obviously I want to thank you for inviting me on. No, that's it's all been, right. It's all right. been a pleasure and always nice to have a chat about anything. But obviously Plymouth Argyle, yeah, I'm always, always willing to speak. And uh, yeah, thanks very much, Jonathan. I'd like to talk to you more about Watford sometime too. They were a long ball team for ages, weren't they? We were. That was the most successful period in Watford's history. Bung it long, and there was a campaign against us by Jeff Powell, who was Bobby Moore's mate, and Bobby Moore was going to get the job, but they gave it to Graham Taylor. So one would say an axe was ground for about 10 years. Um, But yeah, bung it long. And uh, no, we're doing really well at the moment. (laughs) 